This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. Yeah, huh? I love sausage. Thank you, Tim. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. The Tim Graham Show. I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. Here we go. Twitter at 1270 The Fan. Taking your calls at 270 1270. Here we go. This is The Tim Graham Show. You're going to need a bigger boat. Actually, we're going to need a smaller boat. Yeah, it's too much room. First word today that Mike Rodak is leaving us. We've known that. We've known that for a long time. Right. He officially announced it today that uh, our crooked co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, is leaving the area to uh, be with his wife and young son. They're all going together. She is a doctor, an OBGYN, and she uh, has a job in Birmingham, Alabama. And she's from there. And this is a move that was uh, long in the works. He finally announced it today, and uh, his replacement, uh, who's going to be coming from Charlotte uh, to cover the bills uh, for ESPN.com, replacing Mike Rodak in that role. So, uh, you know, Mike's been uh, the butt of jokes for a long time on this show, and it takes a special kind of guy to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. And uh, he makes fun of himself. I think we all generally in this room like to make fun of ourselves which uh, makes it that much more entertaining i like to make fun me. of mike <laughs> i do too it yeah so i could stop thinking about myself for a second <laughs> but he always handles it and he'll he'll pile on himself a little bit oh yeah but anyway so mike rodak's not here today but that has nothing to do with his farewell he's actually around for a bit he just couldn't make the show today it's his birthday we give him the day off for his birthday, today is right? his birthday yeah oh i didn't know that oh. he, he is that why that he morning. took the day off I don't think it's why, but maybe it's why. He doesn't really tell us. He just says, won't be there. Yeah, And then yeah. says it's a picture of his baby. I was, I was assumed he was on daddy duty today. Yeah. I'll assume. Also a good excuse. That's we a- probably shouldn't assume, right? We never know. You never, you do never know. But it's fun to talk about Mike when he's not here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he'll call in and we can discuss it since the news is hot right now. Oh, he's, he's trending. If, if he's listening, mm-hmm. uh, maybe he wants to call in and talk about it. Mm-hmm. We also need a smaller boat because two of our in-studio guests today have not made it. Now, we there was a torrential downpour for a brief period, and yeah. we are looking at close to you know, the time when people are getting off work, things starting to back up, especially mm. with these spring and, and uh, construction projects that are going on kind right. of in the area around the thruway right here where the 190 meets the, uh, the thruway, which is where uh, the Cumulus Studios are located here, including Sports Radio 1270, the fan. So... Joining me, Tim Graham of The Athletic, will be two of my athletic cohorts. Matthew Fairburn, who covers the Bills, and Chris Baker, who does some Sabres uh, work for us. He's at Sabres Prospects on Twitter, so you know what he likes to talk about. Yes! To come in and join us. Jonah Bronstein, of course, here handling things on Periscope. You can see a live stream of this show and all previous Tim Graham shows uh, on Periscope. We tweet out the links to that. Bobby Rosati, always here. Yeah. Yeah. Chris like Baker's the, arriving. There we go. With his laptop. He's in. Oh, yeah. 
There's a new password here, though, Chris, so you're not just going to be able to flip that thing open. Oh, and, damn and it, i got to look it up again. I'm going to have to give that to him. Hold on. Chris Baker, thanks for coming in. On headphones list today. That's fine. But, uh, got, unless we take a call, it doesn't matter. It's good to be here. But if Rodak does call in. Oh, man, i got to be on the phone. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, i got to hear Brodak. Rodak is watching on Periscope. Just got that notification. Tell him to call. Hey, Rodak, call. Oh, he said he, all right. Did he try he's, to call? He's going to call in here. Well, tell him I can't, my, I don't have that many eyes. Well, I'll keep an eye out for <laughs> it. She was in front of me. So a lot going on today. There is. And uh, I can't remember Roy Scheider's character on Jaws, what his name was, but he, the very last line is he says, we're going to need a bigger boat. We need a smaller boat today. But, oh, we're now with the rain. Chief we should Brody. be building in Chief Brody. That's right. Love that movie. Quint is my favorite character on that show by far. That show, that movie. That's that wouldn't make a good series. They tried to make it a series, and it was pretty difficult to explain why this this shark or why a shark <laughs> keeps coming back to the same spot, like it's, just seeking revenge. Like and they then have they motivation. Keep, they just have to keep killing a shark every few years. <laughs> I don't know why it before. didn't succeed as a, a sitcom. <laughs> right. I did see Jaws 3D in the theater. Oh, that must have been. Bad. That one took place because they realized how ridiculous Jaws 2 was. Yeah. They moved the third one. The setting was a Sea World. Oh. On the coast, and they trying to raise the first great white shark in captivity, and then it busted out. Oh. It was awful. (laughs) Sounds terrible. Speaking of awful, Mike Rodex joined us. (laughs) Mike, you decided to announce today. What went into your decision to announce uh, today? Well, first of all, I think we need like a a bell or something to go off in the studio, and I turned a calling, because I I did. We do have a only sign, one little red light. but it doesn't work. Yeah, there's one little friggin' red light. That thing up there should work, the hotline and whatnot, but it doesn't. You need to hire somebody to, you know, just watch the red light all day. So if, you if you can't be somebody, here, the show falls apart. That's that's what I'm guessing. So but now yeah, we can I, freely talk about this new endeavor. Uh, what do you want to say about it, Mike? What, uh, you, you tweeted today that you're leaving. Uh, it has been, I think, mostly... Although you probably read the comments, but it seems to be mostly people are saying, hey, Mike, yeah, you're a good sport. We're going to miss you. But I'm guessing you're also getting some, yeah. you know, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the on the way out messages. That's, in fact, what I think I just saw one of them said, don't let the door hit you or the good Lord split you, was <laughs> the exact quote on Twitter. I've gotten a few of those. I mean, I haven't really looked. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and scroll through my phone and read through all the uh, mentions. I've had other things to do. I got my hair cut today. I went to the chiropractor. I went to Starbucks. I mean, I've had a nice day. <laughs> but the only reason why it came out today was Marcel reached out to me and said there was going to be an announcement at uh, the Charlotte Observer that he was leaving, and he was ready to announce it on his end. And we got clearance from ESPN to go ahead and put it out there ourselves. So it's good on my end to at least get it out there and, to be honest, get out in front of it because I think – if I didn't, and people started speculating, or oh, Rodak got fired. I yeah. mean, yep. that's not the case. That's not true. Um, I heard there was somebody out at Bill's practice just uh, just yesterday who was bitching and, and saying that's how that's why I got fired from the Buffalo News. I, I rumor has rumor has it I that didn't somebody see that big report. Rumor has it that somebody was out there grousing about uh, about the way I comport myself and, and saying that that's why I got fired from the Buffalo News. <laughs> why did you get fired? <laughs> Uh, I can't yeah, imagine. What the hell? Well, I would say, I will say, and this it was it was a backhanded, a backhanded honor when the Buffalo News was going through all of its buyouts a year ago, 
And uh, I was on a list of, there were two of us, Vic Carucci and I were on a list. We were not allowed to have buyouts because we were considered indispensable. So if we wanted to request a buyout and get money on the way out the door, like some other people were able to, we would have been denied. So I had to quit. (laughs) And I didn't get paid to leave like everybody else did. So I must have really wanted to leave. Well, anyway, so well, no, I didn't get I didn't I get fired. Say, that's part of it for me. Yes, I want to avoid any uh, misinformation that you know might get out there. I haven't really seen anything along those lines. I mean, to be honest, I've been inundated. It's also my birthday today. Let's let's uh, let's keep that in mind. So I've gotten all these Facebook messages that you know, happy birthday, and plus I've gotten all these other messages. So. <laughs> happy birthday, I thought. Yeah, those people I, uh, that you hear from once a year, basically. <laughs> right, exactly. I've happy birthday, birthday! I think you're Mike. Yeah, don't bother. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Mike, by the way. Messages you get from people you haven't talked to in 20 years. and All right, let's not talk about that. <laughs> How right. does it feel then? You've We've known that this was coming. How does it feel now that it's out there? It's a little bit more real. Your replacement has been hired. He's coming in. It's been announced. It's almost like now you get to a point where there's no turning back. And I know that in your mind there's no turning back. But once it's out there for everybody to know, then, well, here it comes. How does it feel that you're, you haven't written your last story, but still, it, this is a symbolic day that your time here as a Bills beat writer for ESPN.com, let's face it, the biggest platform on the planet when it comes to sports, um, How that, uh, that that time's coming to an end. How do you reflect on six years covering the Bills? Yeah, symbolic, I think, is a good way to put it, because I think this is the day when you get out of the way all those conversations with other people that... Hey, why are you leaving? Or not why? I guess I explained why, but didn't hear you're leaving, et cetera. You, you know, you hear from a lot of people we haven't heard from in a while, and you kind of get it out of the way. And it's that happens with any job that you're leaving or going to or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely real. I think real is a good way to put it. But at the same time, as I tried to explain in as much uh, detail as I could, I think, you know, there's reasons why this is happening for me. And, um, good reasons is, is really what comes down to. Missed opportunity, though, Mike, and we're in conversation now with Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, co-host, couldn't be in today, and it has Daddy nothing duty. to do with the announcement. <laughs> it's just total coincidence. He's not here. But I think it's a missed opportunity that this uh, that you're not in studio today because I think we would have gotten some calls, and we it would have been entertaining to sit and, uh, and to maybe – in a public way, the people who would call in and be critical to set the record straight. Because, look, you uh, and we were talking about it at the beginning of the show. I know you heard because you were listening, but you've taken everything with such good humor, and it's almost like a persona that gets built up. And we make fun of the persona. We kind of we you come to embrace it, or else you'd go insane. Um, but Mike did great work here for six years, and I know that it's unfortunate for uh, him that it's at a time that the bills weren't very good. He comes from New England, where he had, and he covered the Patriots. So here's a guy who comes from the elite or covering the elite organization in the NFL. If you want to say how it's done, the Patriot way, whether you like it or not, it works. There's a standard. It's a top to bottom standard within the organization. And yes, you can talk about Spygate and what Robert Kraft's been through and like every. But from an organ, it's the it's perfection in terms of everybody wants to emulate and be the Patriots. And then he comes to cover the Bills with Russ Brandon 
and Ralph Wilson, uh, who's an absentee owner at the time when Mike shows up, all the botched draft picks, all the comedy of errors. Doug and Whaley. Doug Whaley. The, I mean, there, we could th- throw out all kinds of things that, that Mike had to cover, and he has to compare it to what he's used to and what he sees it's supposed to be, and by the same time being told he's an idiot. You're like, right. look, I'm trying to hold the Bills to a standard that me that is ex- that is excellence and wins you Super Bowls, and everybody wants to make him the demon because he can't accept uh, that he's not going to praise, you know, Fred Jackson as a future Hall of Famer. Right. Or, yeah, exactly. How I did think. you handle all that, Mike? I mean, that that's something kind of... we haven't really talked about because it's almost like a pro wrestling thing when we'd come in the show and it would be, you know, you'd play you'd play a role to a to a certain part. But we never really got into the philosophical. Oh, you want to add something, Jonah? Well, I'll let Mike answer, and then I have okay. a quick comment. So yeah, so, well, how, gonna, so now we're talking in very real terms. Your your time right. is coming to an end here uh, at ESPN.com covering the Bills. So what? Um, how did you handle all that? Well, I guess first I'll say that I agree. I think that's a good way of putting it. That you come from quote unquote the way it's supposed to be, and I think that's true to what it was, and you almost want to explain and i think it comes off as for lack of a better term mansplaining i know that doesn't really apply to this but almost like uh patronizing that you're you know looking down on the team or the city but that wasn't really wasn't what it was i was trying to say hey these are the things that they're doing wrong you can see it on a day-to-day week-to-week game-to-game basis um and whenever you did that it was like you were insulting the uh you know the emperor and eventually you get to a point with the bills where they change everything over and you have McDermott and Bean come in and they're competent. And all of a sudden fans look back on the Whaley era as being exactly what it was and exactly what I was saying. It a was. gong but, show. And, and, exactly. But in the moment, bills fans were defending what they had. I mean, let's, let's face it. The first day of bills training camp that I covered, I remember Scott Birchold introducing me to Doug uh, Whaley. Uh, Scott Birch told the PR guy of the Bills at the time. At the time, the right. He, the and, head and, media contact. And introduced me to Whaley, and I remember Whaley saying, oh, you come from New England, well, maybe you can give us some tips. <laughs> so it's not as if the uh, the Bills were um, scorning the uh, the idea of, of learning something from the Patriots, but I think Bills fans just despise that, that concept that you could somehow, uh, you know, draw something from the team that's better than you in the division. So that's kind of where that came from. But as far as how I took it all, I mean, whatever. I And you I gave it really back, tongue-in-cheek. Tongue in you knew that when you sent out certain tweets that right. it was going to get a reaction. But after a while, and again, I think it's the same with me, not to a bit as degree as you, but I think anybody who's on Twitter and um, has a little bit of a sense of humor and but takes a lot of criticism – if you read every tweet or absorb every tweet as it's intended, the arrows as they are, it will ruin your day. And there were times that it's ruined my day. I recently had an episode on Twitter where I where it, I let it get to me, and um, the the turd smear of uh, of a human that was uh, giving it to me. I tried to give it back, but there was no winning in that situation. But yeah, it gets it, you will snap. But you work for ESPN, you can't snap. You're not allowed to snap. And there, right. I technically couldn't, I shouldn't have snapped, but ESPN has such a corporate structure that if you were to do what I did, you'd have been on your ass. Right. And that's, I think we've seen that, you know, throughout uh, history, so to speak, with other figures that you can't, you can't mess around with social media. But 
the thing was with me, I always felt secure. You know, you, you can say what you want about the team, and I felt like it was true. Um, but I never felt as if, you know, as Bill Sanders would say, that ESPN should fire you or et cetera, et cetera. That was never, ever the case. Like, that was never threatened to me. That was never um, – Nobody at ESPN ever said to me, well, you, you got to be lighter on the bills. You got to go softer. No, it was always just do your job. And um, as long as I felt that support, um, then I felt totally secure in, in doing my job on a daily basis. I never felt like I was uh, jeopardizing my employment by saying EJ Manuel, you know, kind of hit the broad side of a barn, which turned out again to be true. But in that moment, there's a lot of Bills fans who thought EJ Manuel was the next coming of. He could, he could, but the barn was on the other side of the uh, the hospitality the, tent. Uh, yeah, it was. Rodek had to get one last lick in on EJ Manuel. <laughs> Love it. Oh, now EJ Manuel is a, a colleague, so I probably what? shouldn't. Uh, he got hired by the ACC Network today doing uh, color commentary for games. Well, he'll be a colleague for only a few more weeks. Maybe. We'll see. Because that place isn't big enough for the both of you. Ah, uh, well. I think he will. Uh, he'll make sure that I'm no longer employed there. Although, to be honest, EJ wasn't a bad guy. That was always the thing about him. I think he was a really nice guy, like you know, a human. He just wasn't a good football player. That was his issue. I just want to make the point. I don't think a lot of Bills fans realize or they choose not to acknowledge how critical the coverage is in Boston, New England, and New York, and some of these bigger markets, even with teams that have a lot of success the Red Sox and the Patriots and Mike coming from that environment here even if the Bills weren't as dysfunctional as they were I still think it would have been critical coverage because that's what the job entails and if you're not getting some of the criticism that Mike that Tim that that some other reporters get if, if you're not getting that over the course of several seasons you're probably not doing this job the way you're supposed to yeah well I mean think of Boston right now I mean you have three teams that I've either been in the finals or have won the finals, and the team that's lagging behind is the Celtics, and they went to the second round of the playoffs. Yet, I think if you read any of the coverage in that town, it's pretty down on that team and down on Kyrie Irving and some of the moves that Danny Ainge has made. So um, it's not all rosy, and um, that's the environment that I I came from. I mean, the standards are high. I don't think you should as a fan base, lower your standards to your team just because you, you know, are just happy to have the team here or you want to be a, a loyal fan. I mean, I think if you're paying good money to watch a team, you, you should want to have that team do well. And I think that bar should be a little bit higher than making the playoffs once every 18 years. Mike Rodek on the phone with us here. On the day that he announces his farewell to Western New York, he's still around for a little bit, but he announced it today, and I'm sure he'll be back on the show uh, before he skips out of town. Um but mm-hmm. today was the day he announced it, so we wanted to have Mike on. Uh, Mike, what have you learned about yourself, or how how much have you changed as a journalist since you arrived in uh, Buffalo uh, until today? Well, I think it, it's not as much how I have changed, but I think how the job has changed and how the media um, environment has changed over the years. I mean, we've morphed philosophies so many times at ESPN where as Tim, you know, when, we, when you were there, when I first got there, it was, you know, you're hammering eight, ten stories a week or more than that sometimes. And um, we've ten a day. trimmed that down. Ten a day, yeah. We've, we've trimmed that down so much. And, um, you know, we've 
gone away from opinion to some extent, but not really. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of changes and you kind of have to adapt and, um, learn what's best to, uh, suit the current environment. So, you know, I, I've changed my style. I'm not going to write, uh, you know, 800 words on should the Bills have signed T.J. Yeldon or not. Maybe I would have four or five years ago, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if I've, if I've changed uh, my philosophy in terms of, you know, just trying to be a journalist. I don't know if, if that ever should change. No, I don't think so. I think, yeah, it's mostly been the job has changed. But I'm sure you're a lot more enlightened uh, to the nuance of the profession. I think I'm True. still learning at, at 47, soon to be 48 years old. I think that I have, you know, you were, uh, how old were you when you moved to, to Buffalo? You'd been, you'd been working uh, at ESPN Boston for a few years. Yeah. But, yeah, you were young, 22. So, yeah, leaving here at uh, what, today, 28th birthday or 29th? Yeah, 28th, 28th. birthday. Wow. So, yeah, I'm guessing you feel a lot more comfortable as a as a journalist than you did six years ago. Well, yeah, definitely comfortable. I think you understand how the sausage is made in certain roles in this business, and you know the information people and the opinion people and um, the feature people. I think you understand how each of those jobs gets from point A to point B, and and how they're done, and where you sort of want to fit yourself in that whole picture. Um, I think you. I don't want to say you become more cynical about certain parts of the business, but yeah, I think your eyes open to, you know, how certain people do their jobs, how agents operate, how team personnel operate, how players operate. You know, it's there's a reason why certain stories get out there and, and why certain people get certain stories. And I think you, with more experience, come to realize um, and, and see all that. What can you tell? Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say, you mentioned stories. Like, what's the one story that you covered during your time in Buffalo that stuck out to you the most, or maybe the funnest story that you had writing? What what was that, Mike? Oh, man. I mean, I'd probably point to Rex, something with his tenure. I mean, there's so many, the Doug Marone leaving, um, Rex coming in. I mean, a lot's happened during your time here. Yeah, I wish I could think of one. I mean, there, there have been so many different twists and turns with this team, and um, strange arrests and uh, just happenings that don't you don't see across you know the rest of the league sometimes. So, do you know, know what story of one. yours got the most uh, clicks? Uh, I mean, you'd have to separate it between like news stories and other stories. Like news stories, I think some of the Sean McCoy stuff, especially when that was first breaking last year, that's probably right up there with some of the most read stories all of last season in the NFL. Um, you know, as far as other stories, probably when I made the playoffs two years ago and uh, I wrote about, you know, some of the Andy Dalton thing, uh, the whole, you know, the, the charity aspect of it for the Bills and their fans and and some of that. I don't know. I, I would have to go back and look at the numbers, but I would assume probably around the playoff time, once the Bills were kind of in the news for a week there at least, well, a public uh, thank you for everything you've done for the show. Uh, we'll we'll do it again, I'm sure, but just uh, mm-hmm. since it's all today, and uh, we'll put it all in in one little package here. And um, Bobby's writing down when I said package, so he could uh, put that in uh, some sort of sound clip later. 
But uh, this is probably one of the <laughs> strange to say. I've, I've known Mike for beyond six years because I knew him when I was at ESPN and he was still at ESPN Boston. I've known Mike for eight years. He's been a part of this radio show. I've sat next to him in the press box for a long time and, and in the media room. I've had uh, way more beers than either of our wives would have liked uh, uh, over the last couple of years. Um, and this is probably one of the realer conversations we've had. And we're, he's talking into a phone. I'm talking into a microphone because it is like you hear on the radio. We, we get together and we bust balls. Yeah. And that's what guys do. And so rarely do you actually have a, you know, ask questions where you get these types of responses. And he's also been fired and rehired as he many was times fu- as he, Billy Martin. Yes, he was. Well, not quite as many as <laughs> Billy Martin. But yeah, I, I fired Mike. Uh, that's a story. Maybe we'll tell that on your last day, uh, Mike. But it was, uh, I, he, I fired him. And I rehired him the next day, but I did. Uh, it's like Howard. Was, it's like Howard Stern and Baba Bowie. Yeah, I was going to say I might have been there. You were there. Yeah, I was there. You yeah. absolutely <laughs> were there when I <laughs> on the air, right? No, no, no. Was it, it was at the bar. Oh, it never was mind. at the bar. I fired. I it might even else. been Uh-oh. like my fault. Yeah, kind I, of. Um... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it's we'll have to piece that yeah. together. But it was funny. It in retrospect, it was funny. But it, that's probably the f- Mike and I had a very real conversation after that too. But Mike, uh, I'll say it here publicly in case things don't work out. Uh, here in the next few weeks where maybe you can't get in on the air, but I love you. I love you as, as I would a brother, and I do think that there are people in Buffalo who uh, missed uh, missed it. They, did not, they didn't quite understand yep. who you were and what you brought to the table, and uh, I've always appreciated it, and I've always been grateful for, uh, for your friendship and, your, and what you do as a professional. So um, congratulations on your announcement today. Well, thank you. I uh, I don't know if I've read the responses yet to your tweet. I, I saw you retweet my announcement by saying "beat it." Now, yes. like some Bills fans probably took you seriously. No, only four responses, but a lot of likes. I think people understand oh. our relationship. So, uh, oh well, that's cute. I like it. All right. Well, have fun on your birthday. I will. Thank you. I will. Uh, I'll try to get back there next week. You have graduated. That's right. <laughs> this is pomp and is this this pomp and sure circumstance. Oh, yeah. So, uh, good on you, Mike. Have a good night. Better. Better than Here Comes the Bride. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for everything, Mike. Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, but not for long. All right, when we come back, we're going to have Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic. He's going to be here in studio to join Chris Baker at Sabres Prospects, also of The Athletic, Jonah Bronstein, Bobby Rosati. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. These unintended indiscretions heard over the airwaves. Your favorite Derek Roy story. <laughs> 270, 1270. And on The Fan's app. Free to download in the App Store. The Tim Graham Show. In the Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic. Jonah Bronstein's here videotaping this mess for... What is it? Why did I just blank a Periscope. Also Twitter. Well, it's on Twitter that we tweet the link out for Periscope. Had a little brain cramp there. I've been doing that with names a lot lately. 
Well, you're going to be 48. Uh, you know, I think that's what happens when you get up there in age. I think that's Timothy. natural. I did talk to my doctor about it a couple of years ago. I was noticing a couple of things memory-wise. And, and you know, you, you're concerned. Like, is there something cognitive I'm supposed to be looking at? And he just, he's like, hey, it's your age. Like, even then, it's like, it just happens. There's nothing. Like, if you start forgetting where you are, things like that. Like, if you're <laughs> sitting if you're sitting in your car thing, at the in the Walmart parking lot and aren't, aren't sure how you got there or where you're supposed to be, then we'll talk about it. But as of right now, you're just... There's a flip side of that, too. It's like, how did I get to Elmo's? <laughs> All right, well, let's go inside. How did I get home from Elmo's? Like, well, that's illegal. No comment. There have been uh, a lot of, uh, you know, with Uber and everything, it does make it so much easier. It does. Yeah, it does. Cabs in this area are massacres. I'd say, have I told the story on the air about the time uh, I was being picked up in Blaisdell? I was was still working at ESPN, so I didn't live in western New York. I was living in Florida at the time, so I was meeting John Vogel out in Blaisdell, and I was taking a cab from there to my hotel. I was staying at the Marriott over by UB, and uh, called for a cab. The guy picks me up. And he asked me where I'm staying. And I say, uh, the Marriott. And at the time, there's only one Marriott. You know, this is, what, now, 12 years ago, probably. And uh, he says, where's that? And I'm thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> and uh, I say, it's over by UB North. Uh, total blanking. It's just total blank stare. I said, by the state of the football stadium out there? Just head that way, and we'll get it. And he pulls out a map. Like the old folding map, and he's looking at it, and then he's calling dispatch, trying to get directions. I said, just get on the throughway, and I'll tell you how to get there. He knows where Blaisdell is, but he doesn't know where UB well, I'm get, is. Maybe he specializes in the South Towns. I don't know. But it was a, a $60 cab ride from Blaisdell to Marriott. $20 of and which the was guy spent had- as the meter... Was and running while he was looking at the map? No, he didn't even start it until we got it. But I'm watching him. We're going down the thruway, and I'm watching that thing just skyrocket. Spin, as every spin. month. Oh, yeah, my Lord. Yeah. What a racket. Now well, I sound, Joel Giambra like is now the, what, COO of oh, uh, yeah, the, the local to, cab company? He'll get to the bottom of it. Yep, he will. He'll fix it yep. all. Rates will be slashing. Remember one time after a Bills game, we were going to go out in Blaisdell, and Rodex said, hey, Blaisdell's a bad neighborhood. I really want to be. <laughs> Who said that? Rodak? Get him back on the phone, Bobby. I spent some great bad years neighbor. in Blaisdell. What do you think it was? I have no idea where he got that impression. A bad neighborhood. Jesus. Yeah. He was worried about going to Blaisdell. Oh, boy. Johnny and I spent our formative years in Blaisdell, Johnny Vogel and I. Joel Giambra is going to come out with, you're gonna, and when you get in the cab, you're going to have a red uh, a red rate or a green rate that you're allowed to choose. <laughs> <laughs> and you're supposed to, you have to vote on which one you want. Chill, Giambra. What did we learn about Ralph Kruger today? Chris Baker of. You know, this was the, I mean. Baker.com. You know, he, he likes to talk. He's very good. Uh, he's an effective speaker. You know, I mean, if anyone, if this was their first exposure to Ralph Kruger today, and I think that was probably how it was for the majority of Sabres fans, he's an effective speaker. And I think that, you know, you can kind of envision him up in that locker room in front of the guys. Really just pontificating, getting these guys riled up. I mean, they even had a video clip of him today talking to all the Sabres employees. You know, the ticket people and the community relations people and getting them all fired up. And, you know, I mean, Kruger, I think, was a good hire for the Sabres. And I'm not I'm not the uh, 
the honk or wonk, as a uh, Rodak would get confused. But um, no, I think it's a really good hire for the, the the kind of the developmental stage that this young team is in with a young leadership group. He's gonna, I think, inspire guys. He's gonna be able to make guys uh, motivate them the way they need to be motivated. There are a lot of you know different that. Guys need to be spoken to differently. You know, you got 20 guys in a locker room, and I think he's going to figure that out. I think he's a structure guy. He's a culture guy. I know teams or fans of this team don't always like the word culture, but it is what it is, and I think he's going to instill it here. So I think it was a good uh, opening salvo for Ralph Kruger today. Ralph Kruger, a lot of people think of him as European because that's where he's made his bones in his career, but he is a Canadian and uh, maybe there is something to that. Uh, you talk about all the different ways that people are grown uh, in hockey, that the cultivation in Europe is much different than the cultivation in the United States or Canada. There's the juniors program, the American college program, uh, some of these kids playing professionally, uh, like uh, Rasmus Dahlin was, or at least on a professional team. And so, yeah, the different uh, the qualities of life, that they, uh, the, what's important to a kid from Sweden versus... Uh, a kid from Medicine Hat. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, that's not to say that just because he's going to be, he's uh, so versatile or cosmopolitan that he'll be, that he has some sort of secret sauce, but stands to reason. I think there's something to be said for, you know, his teaching methodology just for the game at the different levels that he's coached at. You look at the Swiss national program. That's all Ralph Kruger. You never heard of Switzerland being anything on the international hockey stage until Ralph Kruger got there. I want to say probably late 90s, maybe around 2000. Someone can look that up and correct me. I'm sure someone will. But all of a sudden, they're they're popping up in the medal rounds at World Juniors. They're in the medal rounds for World Championships, the Olympics. They're producing NHL players. And that goes back to Ralph Kruger. It's not a lot of people want to attribute their success for both the Italian national program and the Swiss to these old Canadian guys that went over there and retired and got citizenship and started teaching the game. A lot of it goes to Ralph Kruger and his teaching methodology, his his team building ideology, his mixing of skill sets and, and plugging parts together. That you know, I mean, I think that it, also if you talk to guys that played for him, that very brief time that he was in Edmonton, to a man they'll all tell you that he got axed probably too early. It was premature. They all liked and enjoyed the system and the messaging that they got from him. And that's part of the foundation, for my opinion, on why it's a good hire here in Buffalo. Did you learn anything today? I mean, anything that stood out as surprising? Not really. No, I mean, I like the fact that he's listening more than talking to the the players that he's been uh, availed to. It sounds like Eichel had a lot to say and he listened. And I think that that's going to be a key component. I, I said this, I think, the last time I was on your show, Tim. The, the modern coach now needs to listen. And even if it, you're creating the illusion that the younger generation is being heard, you have to put in the time and listen to them. They want to be heard. They want to have a voice. Ralph Kruger did talk today about his uh, discussions with Jeff Skinner and suggested that uh, or expressed some confidence that Jeff Skinner will be a member of the Buffalo Sabres moving forward. And here, just a quote from Ralph Cougar, uh, I work on the basis that Jeff Skinner is a Buffalo Sabre, and as a result, that's how our conversation went. It was really just the flow of the conversation that made me feel comfortable. I felt he really loved to be here and that he was happy to be here. So that's just a first impression. Sometimes first impressions uh, turn out to be right on the money, but... Ralph Kruger uh, expressing some optimism that Jeff Skinner will be resigned. And, and this isn't the first time that Kruger has had exposure to Skinner because he was a consultant for Carolina Hurricanes when Skinner was there. There's some familiarity there. Maybe that helps the situation, but I don't think it was a broken situation with the Sabres and Skinner, even pre-Kruger. 
Right. It's, so, it's not like Kruger's brought in to, as some kind of sal, exactly. uh, salve to, uh, exactly. you know, oh, we, we got to really fix this. I think it was probably whatever uh, Jeff Skinner would have done, uh, whether he re-signed or hit the market, would have been the case regardless of who the coach was. Exactly. Whether so. even if it was still Phil Housley or any, you know, whatever. I think Jeff Skinner, oh, of course, if you want to hire, you know, somebody who, yeah. you know, used to, you know, live next door, lived in the Skinner's neighborhood and, you know, sprayed graffiti on their garage one day like maybe he doesn't want to come back but i couldn't come up with any more no but i know what you mean that would that's not a pleasant uh neighbor right and not and it wouldn't be a good player from blaisdell bad neighborhood from from blaisdell if he yeah if he hired a guy from blaisdell and then he talked i think that did happen when i lived in blaisdell i think someone either like shot at my garage or spray painted it the mean streets of blaisdell the mean streets of blaisdell that's right all right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. He's going to talk about the Buffalo Beals and uh, some interesting developments this week. Things that we learned out at the Jim Kelly Golf Tournament and what we've learned through OTA so far. There was another open practice yesterday out in Orchard Park. That and much, much more with Matthew Fairburn and the rest of the gang here on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. There's a place called Kokomo. That's where you want to go to get away from it all. Bodies in the sand. Tropical drink melting in your hand. We'll be falling in love to the rhythm of a steel drum band. Down in Coca-Cola. This is the Tim Graham Show, now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Thank you all for coming. I've traveled all across the fabric of space-time. We could do a podcast, and it would be a million times better than whatever that drivel was we were listening to. And on The Fan's app, free to download in the App Store. The Tim Graham Show. Tim Show. Yeah, Bobby, what are we vaping today? <laughs> Woodstock. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, prickleberry and um, watermelon today. All right. A little bit of watermelon. It's kind of gross. Why don't, haven't you ever, I know that you do it to get rid of your stock. Yeah. Why don't I buy new so ones? Get, or your supply. Why don't you just go through one, not mix them together, and just burn through one a little faster? Well, because sometimes I have, I, like I have a bottle here, I have a bottle in my car, and I got a couple at home. So if, if I'm not around, you just the same need to flavor, fill it. I just yeah, I gotta get it. You gotta get, gotta inhale it as soon as possible. The Geico <laughs> commercial that has this song in it forced me to download this song. Oh. I'm big on I'm. I don't say I'm big on that. Like I'm, uh, but it, I it, these earworms. Oh yeah. It used to be musicians never wanted their songs Jim on Morrison. commercials because it was selling out. All right, the Beatles. Yes. I mean, up until maybe 15 years ago. And then I think iTunes, people are like, it's getting our music out there, yeah. number one. And now people are buying it. So they're paying $1.29, $1.29, because they but hear it. But not anymore. No more iTunes. Well, they're just going to change the way it's delivered yeah, to you, I joke. think. They're right. gonna well, bre- they haven't really said. But they want to yeah. break up their, their different platforms. 
music, podcasts, videos, so that you, you it's not going to be one-stop shopping anymore. Mm. True. Matthew Fairburn's here. He's from The Athletic. I work with him. What have we learned about the Bills this week? There's been so much, Matt. And you cover the team. You're on the beat. So rather than throw a bunch of stuff out there, what comes to mind? What is the thing that stands out the most about your Buffalo Bills? Coach Jim Kelly. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Or not Coach Jim Kelly. That's the funny thing about this week. It's It's been an awfully busy week as far as June weeks go. But there's been a lot of news that isn't quite news. Quarterback emeritus Jim Kelly. There's been the the Roger Goodell stuff was interesting. But you left Monday. You know, we drove up to Jim's golf tournament on Monday. And driving back, it, it felt like there was supposed to be news because, you know, some guys had put their foot in their mouths. But... It's funny how things get blown out of proportion. Everything Roger Goodell says gets blown out of proportion. Yeah. Well, as a consumer of NFL news, isn't it the same that he doesn't? Isn't he saying the same thing yes, that he always says? Yes, I think that it's well. What blew it up was the Pro Football Talk's spin on it. Pro Football Talk came. The headline essentially was Goodell says build a new stadium or else. And this is another example of the national media that does not pay enough attention to Buffalo during the season. Well, and rightfully so, because Buffalo is not the doesn't register in terms of relevancy. If when you're putting out daily football content uh, that is uh, going to appeal to the largest possible audience, you're not going to write about the Bills, which means you're not digging into the, a certain subject that pertains to the Bills. You're not reading old clips or getting a sense as to what's going on in the locker room or talking to people because you're, you're generating content that has Cowboys in the headline, Giants, Patriots, Steelers, you know, Packers. Uh, so the Bills are uh, an afterthought for the national media. And so they neither take the time to learn about the issues or don't care to. And then something comes up that, oh, I want to riff on this thing, and then it's off so many assumptions. And the assumptions, if you're with the national media regarding stadium talk, uh, probably makes you think of San Diego and St. Louis and other teams like that, and then they apply them to the Bills situation. Well, what they don't know, or they forget conveniently, is that the Pagulas own this team. They've stated they're not moving the team. Uh, it would be it would be as shocking, maybe even more shocking than the Browns leaving Cleveland if the Bills were to all of a sudden or the Pagulas were to say at any point, look guys, if we don't get a stadium, we're we're out of here. I mean, so that's why the Pro Football Talk headline was so ridiculous. And then everybody has to kind of you know, play catch up. And now Mark, Mark Poland cars has to come out with a statement and, you know, all kinds of things. I'm somewhat surprised the Pagulas haven't come out with a statement, even if it's two sentence tweet, Yeah, right. Uh, you know, saying, look, we're not moving the team, like whatever. Uh, but uh, maybe then it's also of the belief that 
you know, if we can't, they found it so ridiculous they didn't feel the need I, to. I mean, before Matthew kind of jumps in and just kind of takes over on this one, I just wanted to share. I think that as a, again, a consumer of NFL news, right? I feel like I have to say that because I'm not on the beat. But it appeared that Goodell is doing heavy lifting for the Pagulas by making that statement. Because I do believe that the Pagulas have made some real estate transactions. I think they envision this little Pagulaville being downtown. And that includes an NFL stadium downtown. And it's easier for Goodell to come in and be the villain and start laying that groundwork for the Pagulas to just kind of go in there and That's absolutely that. true. Now, I don't know that that is what happened. But I think that that's savvy. It's smart. It's the way to approach it. Yeah, the Pagulas have had discussions with Governor Cuomo. Like they know what the appetite is for public financing, whether it be at the state or the county level. Um, so they have a, a feel for that. But if they were to come out and say any of these things, well, then, yeah, then they're the enemy. And that's hard to sell tickets. Roger Goodell is the black hole of fan venom, whether it's what happened in New Orleans with Bounty Gate or, you know, he gets booed no matter where he's go ever going to be. Same thing with Gary Bettman. It's what the, well, I don't know if Adam Silver. I'm saying it's easy gets, for him to be the villain. And that's if the, right. The Pagulas can just slide right into his wake. Goodell can say whatever he wants, and it's not going to affect season ticket sales. If the Pagulas say what Roger Goodell says, well, then it does. Then all of a sudden, what Ralph Wilson at one time did come out and mention Seattle. We'll move to Seattle if we don't get a stadium. Or if owners do that, and then what happens? Then fans revolt. They're like, well, I'm not going to support this. But if Goodell says it, then he can be the a hole. I so, like that point because a lot of people have brought up that Roger Goodell works for the owners. He doesn't work for the fans. He doesn't work for these communities. Well, the Pagulas are among those owners, and I think that's why you haven't seen them make a statement. I don't think anything that Roger Goodell said on Monday surprised the Pagulas. I would, and again, like you said, I don't know that this is how it went down, but I I just don't think that's how the NFL operates. That's not how Roger Goodell operates. And that's why Monday was somewhat newsworthy because he doesn't, number one, he doesn't have to come to Jim Kelly's golf tournament. There's other ways he can support that event. Number two, when he does go, he doesn't have to talk. I, I think nobody would have batted an eye if he said, nope, not talking today. And when he does talk and he's asked these questions, he doesn't have to answer them that way. Because he did it in 2016, he answered it in a very similar way, but in the years in between, he's done a lot of, I'm going to let the Pagulas handle that. I'm going to let the Pagulas, you know, handle any further updates on the stadium, because they obviously have their arms wrapped around it. They have since they bought the team. So for Roger Goodell to come in and make these comments, it more makes you wonder, why is he doing this? Why now? And I think what Chris says makes a lot of sense, because... Now he gets to be the bad guy. That's basically his job. But is I'll to counter be the bad guy. I'll counter this, Matt. Is I don't think that he went in there saying I'm going to uh, lay out this message that I need people to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to plant this seed. He was answering the questions that were asked, and as we both got a kick out of it at the news conference, that last question was an add-on. Uh, Scott Birchtold, who was there, he's the former Bills media relations guy, so he's the guy who worked with Jim Kelly, so he handles the golf tournament, and he obviously knows Roger Goodell, and so he was handling the news conference aspect of it. He already gave the two more questions. The two questions were asked. One was, well, I can't even remember what the last two were asked. One and was they, about the draft. It was so innocent. Yes, and, it was about moving the draft yeah. around, and is there a chance it could ever come to Buffalo? 
And then, and you pointed it out in the story that you wrote, Scott Birch told decided to that he would allow one more question to a guy in a San Diego Padres hat. Now, somebody who I didn't recognize, I didn't know this guy, but he mentions why, and then the question is, why should Bills fans trust you if you essentially, I'm paraphrasing, screwed over the people of San Diego? And Roger Goodell's answer wasn't as though it was prepared. He seemed upset. Like, hey, well, that's he kind of shot it back at the guy. I was like, well, that's what I was talking about. It's all about stadiums. So then that became the money soundbite. And it's because he was kind of provoked by this guy. Now, the guy got go, a follow-up, too. How, that's right. And he got a follow-up. But now, if you want to go all all in conspiracy theory, why did the PR guy let the guy let him ask the one question? Was it some sort of a could he have been a plant? Oh, absolutely. Who was he? I don't even what know who guy he was. In a San he Diego wasn't wearing Padres hat. Tim doing Lawler. in Batavia, New York. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I couldn't. A few people texted me after they read my story because I mentioned the detail that he was wearing. He a was San wearing Diego no Padres credential. Hat. I didn't and recognize said, him. Who the hell no was that guy? No credential. That could be Sully. And I said. <laughs> Could have been. And he would be wearing a, a baseball hat, too. That That's would be, right. If it was Sully, he's gained a lot of weight since the last time I've seen him. He but, grew about a foot, too. But this guy came in guns blazing. And Birchtold just stood there and let him. And then he got a follow-up in, which was essentially, why didn't the NFL build a new stadium in San Diego? To which Roger Goodell basically said, it's not the NFL's responsibility, which, you know, that's convenient. It's a public, then, pri- it's a private public uh, trust. Yeah, a little par- a partnership. A partnership. And then, that's right. And then the guy tried to ask another, tried to go and for a third Goodell walked away, uh, which was a good one. He maybe should have led with was, you know, what do you say to all these economists who say there's little to no public benefit financially to building a new stadium? And as Goodell knew where the question was going and was a little bit sick of the guy and just walked away. Uh, and went and went on one Bills Live and continued about his day. I don't even think he golfed. It's the weird thing. Anytime Roger Goodell shows up somewhere, I'm always just curious. Like he's he's not operating by accident. And you're right. You know, he wasn't. He knew what he would say if somebody asked about the Bills Stadium. He was, but he. It also was unusual, Matt. And we we got a break, but I want to point this out. It, he was not with an NFL PR person, Which he and was that's last the fir- time. that's the first time I've ever seen that. When Roger Goodell travels, even when he was out at the Chautauqua Institute, Chautauqua Institution? Institute. Institute. Mm-hmm. I always get that mixed up. I've, I've, for years, I drove past that sign and thought it was like a asylum, an insane asylum. It'll be an institution something. when I move there. <laughs> <laughs> but he would come down there and speak, and he would have the NFL PR man. He's, and he's a resident. He's a former resident. They have The Goodells have homes uh, at the Chautauqua Institute. So, but he would bring, he, he would come and give some sort of public forum speak. You know, they have their speaker series, but he would have an NFL PR guy there with him every time. That's the first time Monday that I've seen him without one. Probably the last after the way it was handled <laughs> would be my guess. At least the last, it might be the last time he comes Skype. out to this event for a little while. Well, it yeah, sounds like first Colt's not going to get the job. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> All right, we come back. We'll have uh, more talk about the Buffalo Bills, their week, the OTAs. Maybe we'll talk. Matt brought it up. I, I didn't know if I was going to talk about it or not, but Matt also likes to get a rise out of me, which is part of the reason Matt and I get along so well. Uh, maybe we'll talk about Coach Kelly uh, when we come back after this uh, with uh, Matt Fairburn, Chris Baker, Jonah Bronstein, Bobby Rosati. 
here on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, the Tim Graham Show. I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270TheFan. Taking your calls at 270 1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. Uh oh. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. There are five of us. Bobby Rosati playing these hits. We heard uh, Kokomo today. We heard uh, Going Up the Country. He's got some Bills CDs from back in the day. Oh, my God. 94, 95, 93. These fan songs and parodies yeah. that used to be made up. It's going to make the music even more eclectic. <laughs> 97 Rock Library coming up big. Jonah Bronstein's here. He came up with the idea. Oh, yeah. He's no fool. I've got some news. What's this? Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. Uh-oh. I figured out who the guy in the San Diego hat was. Oh, yeah? Who was it? His name was Howard B. Owens of the Batavian. <laughs> oh. Batavia by way of San Diego. Okay. If, if ever there was a more depressing transition, I can't think of one. <laughs> now, the golf tournament takes place in Batavia, so right. we were on his home turf. So he's from San Diego, evidently, and now lives in Batavia. Now, the reason I figured this out He was, came up with the quote of the day. He said, today I had a chance to ask NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell a question, so I asked one for San Diego Charger fans and posted the video. All I had to do was search Roger Goodell San Diego, and it popped up. So now we can put a name to. I'm amazed that that would come up if you Googled it because I thought it would have. It would come more up with traction. the Spanos, right. and the, the move to Los Angeles, and stadium. Well, no, this was on Twitter. Oh, I see. I thought, hey, if this guy's a reporter, then he would have tweeted it out. All right, yeah. so he wasn't a plant. No, clearly. So he mm-hmm. writes for the Biavian, like uh, <laughs> Riley Martin, the Biavians. <laughs> I didn't know the Batavian was a, a thing. Oh, hun, tons and The quad. Batavian is a rather successful hyper-local news site. Yeah. No, that's cool. What can you tell us about it, Jonah? I just know that they, they make good, I don't know what they make, but they make good money, and a lot of people I know that try to start other hyper-local news sites, try to copy their model, really didn't do as well. They've done very well out there, the Batavian. And that's at Terry, right? Kelly's camp? It's at yes, Terry Hills. Terry Hills. So is that like one of the largest events in Batavia annually? Probably. Might be, right? Good question. I don't know I enough about I don't even know Batavia. what the second largest event would be. It's going to be like a county Batavia is getting a lot of bad press lately. Like Blaisdell. Some people in Batavia doing some yeah. not good things. Yeah. Takes the heat off Blaisdell. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Kelly, Tim. Oh, see... <laughs> Let's talk about, let's see if we can get into that later. I don't know if I want to talk about the Coach Kelly phenomenon. Maybe I do. I don't know. I, I think he it's, a journal, it's a journalism thing, clearly. Right. I went for the hard segue. People, it became a weird thing today because you know how the transcripts are distributed and a lot of blogs will 
grab them and either just copy and paste them or take bits and pieces and turn them into content, which can be tricky to do when you weren't there for it. Well, Buffalo Rumblings, which is probably the most popular of these blogs, was like, this was an actual question in the Bills press conference yesterday. And it was the question about, you know, Jim Kelly joining the staff and, you know, with the eye roll emoji and people are responding, who the hell asked this question and all this stuff. So now it, it had... You guys are making me talk about it. Had it had second life today. All right, you're making me talk about it. All right. So we were talking about stories on Monday. Matt and I driving back from Batavia. Uh, he, I picked him up at the park and ride. He came up from the South Towns and... We get in the Grandmobile with our Dunkin' Donuts and head to Batavia, and we pal around like that sometimes. That's how Matt and I roll. Well, on the way back, we're talking, we're just having discussions about what Roger Goodell said, if Jim Kelly said anything interesting, um, the different people that were there that we spoke to. And Matt made a wonderful prediction. He said, You know, somebody is going to take that quote from Jim Kelly about sitting down with Josh Allen and have them running the K-Gun in a blog or something. And I said, yeah, I've seen it before. I said, you're absolutely right. I didn't think it was going to be the Buffalo News. I thought it would be, I don't know. I don't know who I thought it would the be. Batavian. The Batavian. The Batavian, perhaps. The Biavian. If the Batavian didn't have their big get of the day, yeah. that probably would have appeared in, yeah. I don't know, but we thought it was not newsworthy. I remember I, I was listening to Jim Kelly say it, and I've I've heard this before. He said this about Trent Edwards. He said this about EJ Manuel. He said this. Maybe I don't recall him really having a particularly tight relationship with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, I don't think there was really any. But uh, and then plus he was sick for that period of time too, when Fitzpatrick was kind Ryan of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Nathaniel Hackett running the no huddle, uh, seeking Jim Kelly's advice on that. Uh, whatever, but it's hap. This is a story that gets told every couple of years that some Jim, Jim Kelly's. So it's a nothing story, a tweet maybe. Five o'clock, five thirty, whatever time it was. So I even sent it to Matt. What time was it? About that? Yeah, five, right five around thirty, then. maybe six. Breaking news at the Buffalo News. Breaking a news: push a, alert, a right? red banner across the top of the Buffalo News homepage that says "Breaking News." <laughs> Coach Kelly, they're calling him. Let me see if I can find it. I have it. I'm see if I have the tweet that I sent you, Matt. Because that was the exact lead of the story, which is probably what I take more issue with than anything is the, and it's what prompted the question. Because yeah, it, don't break, call him Coach Kelly just yet. Breaking yeah. news! Breaking news! It might be it might be premature. This is this is the headline, so this isn't from the story yet. This is the the blurb to get you to click on the story. That's the lead too. Breaking? No, it wasn't. Not exactly. Not exactly. But I, I'll I'll read both. It might be premature to call him Coach Jim Kelly, but the Bills are tapping into Kelly's knowledge to help develop Josh Allen. Breaking news. A push alert is sent out to anybody who follows the app. I had friends of mine saying, are you kidding me? Sending me a push alert. 
So, the lead to the story is Dateline Batavia. Perhaps it's premature to start calling him Coach Kelly. Perhaps it's premature, which means perhaps it's not. So maybe you should be. Perhaps. Language is important. Perhaps it's premature. That suggests that it's going to happen or could happen. Still, it sure sound it sure sounds as if it sure sounds mm-hmm. as if. <laughs> I keep in mind that I heard the same exact thing and thought it was wasn't even newsworthy. But under the byline of Vic Carucci, still it sure sounds as if former Buffalo Bills quarterback Jim Kelly has something approaching an official role in helping with the development of his latest successor, Josh Allen. An official role. That's a paycheck. Approaching he has an, an official, official role. role. He also already has an official role with the team and gets paid well. Now, much like the f- term fake news gets thrown around, right? Fake news is not just... No, fake news is a thing. There is fake news. Sure. But it gets thrown around to the point of just something I don't like. All right? Well, the thing, same thing is clickbait. Clickbait mm-hmm. is often thrown around as something I care not to read. Right. For instance, that pro football talk tweet on Monday, a lot of people said, this is just clickbait. That was clickbait. There was no link. Right. It was just a tweet. Yes. That wasn't even clickbait. So there is no there's click. nothing there's to click. nothing to click. That's right. That was just misinformation. Right. This, this is clickbait. It's the, that is... This is the, the definition yeah, of clickbait. Absolutely. A nothing story dressed up and framed to be something mm. highly significant. Breaking news. Push alert. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Coach Kelly. Breaking Perhaps news. it's premature. But perhaps it's not, right? That's what that those what those words mean. Yeah. So you gotta ask Sean McDermott about it. An official role. Approach he's approaching an official role. So here I waited for a the press con I waited until essentially the press and nobody asked Sean McDermott about it. If this was breaking news, twenty out nineteen hours earlier, why is nobody asking Sean McDermott about this breaking news? He probably got the push alert. If he follows the app, yeah. if he has the BN Blitz app, it wasn't or the Buffalo News app. It wasn't even the BN Blitz app. <laughs> probably do, spat out so his morning tea <laughs> when he picked up his paper at his doorstep. He's, he's reviewing the tape. I do know that editors did at the Buffalo News, and you can say, "Well, Tim, how would you know this?" Well, number one, I have sources. Super secret sources. For a period of time, for about ten minutes on Monday, the word "official." Was taken from the was removed from the story, mm. and then it was reinserted. And I think the reason I think the reason it was reinserted is because all the tweets and Facebook posts and everything that went out, you would be able to say that one does not look like the other. And rather than delete the tweet, they put the word "official" back in there. Now, how would you know that, Tim? Well, I was told about it. I hit refresh on my story, and my story looked different for about ten minutes, and then I hit refresh again, and it was back in there. So I think the Buffalo News knew that this they screwed up on this. But I needed to ask Sean Dermott, McDermott about Jim Kelly's official role with the team. And he didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I think he knew exactly what you were talking about. I think about. he did, too. <laughs> uh, as the follow-up question was being asked to my question, uh, Sean McDermott kept looking at me and, and uh, well... Smirking. He, he was having trouble keeping it together. But look... If this is what you want your career to be, writing clickbait for the rest of your career, then have at it. 
but I think it's ridiculous. You know what the problem is? And you say, well, why would you care? It's the same thing with the pro football talk thing. Because when people do stuff like this, it makes everybody else work and scramble. Because I can guarantee you that when this bre- when you get a breaking news push alert from the Buffalo News, and you are the news director at Channel 247, mm-hmm. if you're at the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle, what are you doing? You're on the phone immediately yeah. with your guy saying, why don't we have this? Rodak probably got a... a- a buzz from his bosses at ESPN. Absolutely. Hall of Famer coming back, maybe coaching. Or at least Rodak had to make some phone calls to check into it. And so now everybody has to do work. And everybody has to, you know, clean up. So that's why it's a problem. Well, and then it becomes a big thing where I can't believe the media is blowing this out of proportion. We all get lumped in together yes, uh, on stuff like that. And what frustrated me about it was... I think the average reader, and rightfully so, I get it. The people who look at the bylines most are us. Right. I think the average reader sees something written by Tim Graham and they or Matt Fairburn. I can't tell you the number of times somebody said, hey, nice story, and I didn't write it. I'm sure you've gotten it, too. You've, we've all gotten it because they just thought I was the guy who wrote it. But, yeah, it's just the media or from an outlet. But anyway. And what, what's funny about this was when I heard him say that, I thought my wheels started turning when I heard Jim Kelly say that. My wheels started turning because I did that story on his USFL days, and I have more material than I was even able to use in that five or 6,000-word story about how that offense influenced the NFL. And every week when I sat down with Joe Licata, he was saying, we got to get some film of the 90s Bills when they were going to the Super Bowl and talk about how some of those things can be used in the NFL these days. So I'm thinking long-term, I'm thinking that that's an interesting concept that he sat down and done that. And, you know, maybe Josh would talk about it. I'm not saying Brian Dable's lighting his playbook on fire, but the Patriots use a lot of that stuff. The Colts tore the bills to pieces with a lot of the concepts from the nineties. Kelly revealed at his celebrity golf tournament at Terry Hills golf course on Monday, that he has been collaborating with bills, offensive coordinator, Brian Dable collaborating is a uh, that's again see, language matters collaborating that's not accurate no he sat down it's football a guys times. talking football right. and sure were they maybe picking his brain collaborating suggests that he has input on the playbook which is not even remotely accurate right. and like i said there are things they can learn from that <laughs> offense and there's an interesting piece to be written about that but now Getting Josh Allen or Brian Dable or Ken Dorsey or Sean McDermott to talk about that is off limits. They're not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole because it's already been blown way out of proportion, yes. and they don't want their words twisted. They don't want you know the, the idea that Jim Kelly is more involved than he actually is to be spread around. So it's, again, these things have repercussions on more people than just the people who write them, and, it, and it's annoying. Yes, and I think that's why there was... Well, that's why there were people smiling, uh, not not the people who were facing Sean McDermott, but the people who face out from Sean McDermott were smiling at the because, yeah, they it's and it, Brandon Bean has talked about it on this show. When Ian Rappaport and it go, it's when Ian Rappaport uh, gets information from Antonio Brown's people and tweets it out, that creates work for Brandon Bean. And for Tim Graham, and for Matthew Fairburn, and for two, four, and seven, and for Mike Rodak, and for everybody, we're like, well, what the hell? This is a big story. Well, no, it's BS. It's 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 a piece. It's a little piece of information 
uh, a germ of an idea, totally mushroom clouded for the sake of attention. And clearly, and I, I don't believe it's Vic Carucci's decision that we are going to make this breaking news. I'm I'm willing to bet that Vic had, was pressured into maybe coming up with something sexy and so that we can turn it into breaking news. Uh, but yeah, somebody decided we're going to make a BFD out of this, out of this little thing. And well, I, I don't s- know if it ever came from, because you just tweeted it out and it got like 500 likes or something like I that. I sent out a tweet and it got passed around a lot and it made me never want to tweet the words jim kelly again because it was like 50 50 there were all sorts of fights in my mentions about why the hell are they talking to a guy who hasn't played since the 90s and then half the people saying this is amazing i've been saying for years they should be doing this yes and it was just like how do i and they have my phone on every every, pretty much every quarterback from trent edwards on has had an audience with Jim Well, Kelly. and then you, you get the people of, why are you making a big deal out of this? And it's like, it's the same thing with Josh Allen, because it's like, I send out a tweet, and that's me making a big deal out of it. I sent out a tweet yesterday that Josh Allen had a bad day because he had a bad day. And people were like, relax, man, it's June. When I tweeted out last week that he had a great day, people yep. were planning a parade down Delaware <laughs> Avenue. Relax, Look out, man. Patriots. Like... I don't, I just don't understand. I I do understand. Unfortunately, I do understand, and it's it's a shame that it has to be like this. But anyway, uh, sometimes we need to police ourselves. Well, and you know what? There's a lot of you know subtweeting that goes on. You know, I know our our friend Joe from Buffalo Winds, who I believe we've all met personally. Uh, likes to use the phrase media on media crime. Mm. I think the one thing that annoys me about it is when people don't just like say what's what it is. And that's why I said with the, you know, the rumblings tweet and all this, like, it's like, no, this is what happened and this is why. And these were the people involved and that's it. Like simple. It's irresponsible. And I hope that, uh, Hey, who's to say that I, I, they're there, but for the grace of God, go I. But I hope that I never get to a stage in my career where I'm writing clickbait. Um, I'll be. You already do. Building, building uh, <laughs> birdhouses or something. I you know, all... it's all clickbait. And let's stop for a second. Everything that we write to a degree is a form of clickbait yeah. because if you're not writing anything that's interesting, then what's the point? The whole <laughs> yeah, idea, you know, you a headline. Doing. A headline is kind of clickbait by definition. Um, the lead to a story, they always talk about the lead being the most important part of any, any story because it gets you to read the rest of the story, but it's about how responsible you are with it. It's if it's you're irresponsible with switch. it, that's the, the key term a bait is and bait. switch it is quick yeah, bait, you know, say, to yeah. say, Hey, look in here for all this juicy stuff. And then you go in and it's like, and you nothing. got, you got to click five times to get like, to a slideshow. I, I think, uh, oh, I you know, this. oftentimes a Tim Graham story is clickbait in the sense that it's i want to click on you this and read it, it. Well, but, you're, nice but it's not say. but it's not bait because i go in and i say i got what i clicked on yeah if you don't get what you clicked on that's when you know clickbait is an i would agree with thing. i would agree with that tim graham's more subby bait subscription bait makes me want to subscribe i'm just yes. really excited to see what coach jim kelly does with all these new pieces that the bills have amassed yeah, he'll be at OTAs to imagine work if it the K gun had had Cole Beasley and John Brown. <laughs> well, that's why I had to ask McDermott about it yesterday. 
I had to ask, what is the official role? And he said there isn't going to be. So now at least we can say we don't have to wonder if perhaps it's too soon. Perhaps. You were defending perhaps the public it's premature. interest. The people had, people you needed to know. You were performing your civic duty. I just thought it was ridiculous that one day it's breaking news and the next day they have three reporters there who aren't going to ask the head coach about it. If it was breaking news, then there's some follow-up. Don't you want to maybe ask the coach about his new assistant? Good times. Tim, the Buffalo Police sent out a tweet. Do you still? I don't. Still I, you'll have to tell me what it is. I'm blocked by the Buffalo Police Department. Well, there's an accident. And this is a true story. West Brown. Somebody retweeted breaking. You know, it was like Channel 4, I think, on his Twitter account. Breaking. And underneath it says this tweet. You know, you can't see this tweet. And I'm like, <laughs> well, it's something break. It's been deleted. So I clicked through it, and I clicked through it, and, I, and it's from the Buffalo Police Department. You do not have permission to view these tweets. That's brutal. Yeah, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. That's actually a public safety issue if right. they're not allowing you. But some people aren't on Twitter. So. But what if they were blind and it happened and then whatever <laughs> directly fault. affected me? And I'd say if I were on Twitter, I would have seen that. Yeah, that's right. What if there was a lockdown in your neighborhood and you couldn't see it? That's right. Oh, jeez. Is there? You live in Blaisdell? The Bills have signed tight end Nate Becker and defensive tackle LT Walton. The team has released tight end Moral Stevens and defensive tackle Quindarius Thaggard. Is that a uh, push Oop. notification that you just got from? It's breaking news. This is from the <laughs> Buffalo Bills Public Relations Department, so right. I know I can trust it. I'm going to stop fanning the flames. But... I wasn't going to talk about it. I know, it. I'm You sorry. even said it, and I said maybe we'll talk about it later, and then Matthew Fairburn so calmly looking at me and slowly and methodically and to the point that... Because you know what? Young Matthew here knows what good radio is. He know, he knows me is what it is. <laughs> All right, we come back. We'll actually talk We'll talk about actual Bill stuff. we got to get Chris Baker involved in some more Sabre stuff. Hey, phone lines are open. If you want to call in. I like the Bills. Jab us with a sharp object. Chris Baker call called the Ed Oliver pick hours before the draft. Do you remember that? He texted us and said, it's going to be Ed Oliver. I didn't gloat either, by the way. He you didn't. didn't. 270-1270 is the number. The phone lines are open if you want to jab us. We'll be back in a second. No. How long's a break? Actually, I shouldn't say that. would be like false three, advertising. Three or four minutes. That would be, that would be like it's my version switch. of clickbait. Yeah. We'll be back in a second with Coach Kelly on the line. <laughs> Sports Radio 1270, the fan. I think you're my kind of guy. My brain is a marathon, not a, is a, is a sprint. Not a marathon. I don't know. I'm, I'm even losing myself now. You know what I'm saying? We let them down. Come on. The Jerry Sullivan Show. Now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. All right. Let's hear it. You like that, the remix version? It's not supposed to be like that. Well, this is from the mid-90s. There we go. 
lick. Yeah. Twenty-five to six. That's just, an odd. Just score. to let you a little bit of uh, insight on this, one title on the CD says twenty-five to six the score. Another thing says forty-five to six or more, and then he just said something completely different. So I, I don't I know. Like what they got, they're building up. It's only halftime. Oh, maybe that's it's what only he's halftime. Doing. Got it. No, whatever. I like it. Thanks, Jonah. Wasn't even what I was talking about. I know, <laughs> but it sparked some ideas. I'm glad it sparked joy for you, Bobby. <laughs> What's going on with the Bills on the field? That's what I wanted to get at last segment before you. I torpedoed it. You uh, provoked me. Two seventy twelve seventy. If you want to further provoke me. Yeah, the guys that don't have core muscle injuries. What's going on on the field with those guys? Josh Allen did not have an easy go on Tuesday, but I later received a text that they were working on wet ball drills. Yeah, they were. Which is why I try to tell people that these practices don't really mean anything. But I guess that runs counter to the fact that I'm writing about them. It's hard to convince them to (laughs) read what I write while at the same time telling them they don't mean much. But last week, he had a pretty good practice, threw three touchdowns, two picks, and people were up in arms over how terrific he looked. And I just thought he looked decent and tried to express that and temper the excitement a little bit because it was May. And then on Tuesday, he had a bad day, and a lot of people were pretty upset about it, saying, tell me to relax, it's only June. And I think the context is always important because they're always working on different things, trying to implement things. And yesterday happened to be working with a wet football And that may have been why the offense was so sloppy. Now, they also had some false starts and other things that caused Brian Dable to use the F word a few times. Yeah, if it was if it was all to be expected or worked through, then Brian Dable wouldn't have he wouldn't have been out like he did. He wouldn't have been using the F swear quite so much, you know. And that you know there were no kids around, so that's. Brian Dable's right to to use that language. Kyle but, Williams' kids were there, I think. Or weren't there some small children there? Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds. He's like, what, 20? <laughs> <laughs> can't even drink. That's right. He probably should have been covering Matthew, his when, ears. Matthew, when you say that Josh Allen has a not a great day, a bad day, what does that mean? I mean, is he missing deep balls? Is he missing, he was is he missing anything well? He was throwing interceptions. Uh, one of the interceptions, Mike Rodak and I were standing there watching it, and we were disagreeing over who he was throwing to, which oh, is a God. typically a problem. <laughs> I was like, he clearly missed Ray Ray McLeod underneath. He sailed it, and it was picked off. And he's like, I think he underthrew the deep ball. And I was like, well, we both know Josh Allen. What do we think's more likely? But the fact that there's a gray area of where he's throwing the football is a problem. He threw an interception to Lorenzo Alexander in the red zone. Ooh. He threw, you know, the way he misses, he often misses high. Uh, and and overthrows, and he was doing that, and they weren't taking care of the football particularly well, and it was just not a great day. But we only see one practice a week of these OTAs, so we've seen three. We've seen a third of what they've done on the Mm -hmm. field. So to not have the whole picture makes it tricky. Did he just have a bad day? Well, Monday he didn't have a day at all you because can't he wasn't tell at practice. When you, but when you just get one one chance to look at a practice and miss, you know, the other two, you get one out of every three uh, practices to look at. You have no idea what a trend is. So yeah, it just could be a, a spike in 
you know, a certain bad performance or a great day versus, you know, we, what is the trend? What are, what are they concerned with or excited about? Can't say. Not until minicamp when we get three in a row and you guys have to be there so you get a little bit better taste. And obviously training camp, which mm-hmm. is, I think, significantly more important. But, yeah, it's hard to sit there and say, oh, he had a good week. It's hard to say he had a overall strong OTAs. I would say two practices were decent and one was bad that we saw, but we didn't see the majority of the practices. So we don't really know if he had a strong spring or not. We only know what we saw. And, you know, yesterday wasn't good, but, you know, it's still the spring. I I seem to recall Patrick Mahomes not generating a lot of buzz positively last spring and things turned out okay for him. So there's nothing that happens in May or April that's really indicative of you know, what's going to happen in September. Rex Ryan won the offseason a couple years ago. Allegedly, yeah. And didn't didn't do a whole lot with it. Now, I also think yesterday was probably a product of Josh Allen not being there on Monday because the carryover there from day to day, you're not going to have, you know, that rhythm established. He didn't have Zay Jones, John Brown, or Cole Beasley. And so he's working with Robert Foster and Andre Roberts, not – his usual targets. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, which is why, you know, people panicking is certainly premature. Same way people calling him the franchise savior after throwing a couple touchdowns is a little premature as well. Can I just ask one more question? No. Football-wise? No. Come on, Just ask him. So the the short ball, right? Like Like when they signed Beasley, my first thought was, man, Allen needs to be really accurate. Like on those short, what? Eight-yard passes, seven-yard pass, because he couldn't really do that well last year. Isn't that like the make-or-break thing with him this year is actually the short ball? And he has one of the best in the NFL right. to catch them and to do something with them, to get open. He's all about separation, Cole mm-hmm. Beasley is. And uh, so he can get open and maybe have a little room to work as opposed to the guy who gets a little less separation, and then if your quarterback is off target, then that guy gets seriously hurt you know, reaching for the ball or stretching for it or whatever. So they do have the right guy in that. Mm -hmm. Cole Beasley in a pro football focus has some great stats that I've actually been kind of compiling over the last uh, week or so regarding separation. And he, Cole Beasley, gets separation, I think, 9% more often than the average inside guy. Wow. So so that high high degree of getting open is Cole Beasley. To Chris's point, timing and touch are not Josh Allen's strengths, and that's really a hallmark of that short slot receiver passing game. So if you get a receiver who can help you out with that a little bit more, then you're going to see Josh Allen's uh, maybe – all right, so I'm dangerous, dangerous – artificially inflate. Like So maybe he's going to look a little bit more accurate than he really is with a guy like Cole Beasley the snagging investment. the ball. It's but that's what we've been talking about. No drop, you know, fewer drops, um, a catcher uh, – or a um, – a uh, uh, wider catch radius, um, all these things that go into guys who fight for the ball better. You know, there's all kinds of things that can go into a quarterback's um, completion percentage that have nothing to do with the quarterback. You know, once the ball leaves his hands, there are still a lot of variables that come into play as to whether or not the ball is going to be caught. So much of what Cole Beasley does is based on, you know, timing, like Jonah said, and also just knowing Finding areas on the field, it's different than running routes on the outside where you just run your route and try to beat your guy. A lot of times you're 
you're looking for areas as a slot receiver and you're trying to see the game the same way as the quarterback. So being on the same page is very important. He's listed at 5'8", which almost seems a little bit generous. He's a very small receiver, and that makes hitting that target, I think, a little bit harder. And is he one of the best slot receivers in the NFL? Probably. Is Josh Allen ready or uh, you know, the type of quarterback who can take advantage of it? I think that is a huge, huge question because if not, that's kind of a wasted resource. And Cole Beasley has already shown – you know, he hasn't been shy about taking shots at Dallas. Is he going to be frustrated if, you know, what he thinks is this amazing opportunity for him isn't quite that because the quarterback's not on the same page? Yeah, I think it's a huge storyline going into camp. You know, is that whole chemistry, can they click right away? Is it a wasted investment if Allen isn't good enough to make that short throw? And it's difficult because the chemistry between a quarterback and a slot receiver is way more critical than the quarterback and an outside receiver. As Matt was saying, those outside receivers generally are going to run the route that's on the chalkboard. Mm. Whereas Cole Beasley knows he has to get to a certain spot, and how he gets to that spot is up to Cole Beasley and how he's being played defensively. So you have to almost have your quarterback and slot receiver looking at a defense and without saying anything, seeing the same thing, mm-hmm. knowing that and that what that comes from is repetitions, just rep, rep, rep in that, okay, I see what you're going to do against this defense now, or I see where you're going to place this ball, okay. And it gets almost like a muscle memory type thing. Uh, and with Cole Beasley out, and you know he's not on the field right now, that does uh, hurt the development a little bit. However, however, how much you can take from your OTAs slash minicamp and then you get a whole month off where you don't see each other. Now maybe they get together and they maybe do they work should. out. Maybe they should. Uh, and then go into a training camp in late July. Uh, how much of that carries over? I don't know. But you hear the stories all the time of uh, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman and how much that they work out incessantly over the offseason. Now, granted, it's throwing against air, as they like to say. It's hard to find 11 people who can show up to your workout and give you a defensive look. <laughs> know what they're doing, but still. Anyways, uh, the reps are important, and with Cole Beasley out with this injury, uh, it it's not good, but I don't know that we may look back on this in September and think, oh my, you know, what a disaster because Cole Beasley wasn't out there in, in May and June. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more Bills. We're going to talk more Sabres. We might talk more Rodak. And your thoughts if you want to call in. First segment was about Mike Rodak. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, Matt. I missed it. Mike Rodak called in. We talked about his farewell. Maybe you can give your thoughts on Mike Rodak. I'd be happy to. And uh, whatever else we want to sweep up into the dustbin. On the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Prices shot out of the ground. Buy premium prices. On Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Take your call. That's a lot of information to get in 30 seconds. Sports Radio 1270, The Tim Graham Show, The Fan.
Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic, joined today by a couple of my athletic brothers. Uh, let me rephrase that. Joined today by a couple of my The Athletic brothers. I don't want that to turn into an adjective, well, the, the wrong adjective. Chris Baker. Sabres Prospects is his Twitter handle. You can find him there. Matthew Fairburn's here. At. Do you have an initial in there, Matt? No. What are you? At just at Matthew Fairburn? Yep. Yep. All right. At Matthew Fairburn. You can follow his uh, work on the uh, on the Bills. Has a golf story coming up that I am looking forward to reading because he's been giving me the inside on that. I was working on it right before I came Ooh, over here. I like it. It'll be a good one. It. It'll be a good one. Jonah Bronstein of uh, Bronstein and Bronstein, your sports writing injury attorneys. And Bobby Rosati over there giggling like a schoolgirl. What's so funny? You guys are just cra- cracking me up. How's this? I'm a little overtired, too. What Did, did we say something that you... Like, no, it was uh, well. Now I forgot. But what Bobby's good for is we got. say something innocent, and he takes the words yeah. and uses it for a soundbite later. That you know, like Mike Rodak in the intro saying, "I like sausage." He's over there oh. huffing prickleberry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or so he he's says. in my veins. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, vaping. Bobby, have you ever huffed? Have you ever huffed paint? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Not in the past hour. <laughs> I've always said Ugh. that by the time I die, I want to try everything. <laughs> everything? Everything. Come over for a barbecue someday, Graham Graham Bigelow. <laughs> that would be, you know, you get to a certain age in life, and like, oh, so what? Yeah. If So what if I get addicted to heroin? I'm only going to be alive for another four <laughs> years anyway. You know you know what? I, I know somebody, actually, a family member that uh, huffed propane, mm. and He's, they said it was the weird, crazy. He said it was the weirdest thing ever. Your head just goes. How's he like doing? That? Away, huh? He's good, actually. So you can surprising. Uh, oh yeah, you could still ask him. It's a testimonial. Yeah, yeah. That's not a that's not a that's scare not tactic funny. I don't know what you're laughing. It's a at. testimonial. I'm laughing at Bobby thinking he's fooling us that this wasn't really him. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I knew that was good. Yeah, that's my cousin, why I was like, uh, it wasn't really. Wah, 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 wah. It was more like. Wah, wah, it goes, wah. Yeah, it goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's wait on mike rodak we'll, we'll do a uh, farewell show maybe rather than get all maudlin about mike rodak we had him out in the first segment matthew fairburn wasn't here to listen to it but we had my uh mike fair rah rah rodak we only have 12 more minutes of this show i'll see if i can get through it we had mike rodak on in the first hour first segment he announced today that he was leaving ESPN.com and the Western New York area to uh, settle in, to re-nest with his bride down in Birmingham, Alabama. I thought he should have done the Irish exit. Oh, that yeah. would have been good. The Irish goodbye. I think goodbye. wanted <laughs> this one day Explain, he's just gone. Oh, you just, you just don't. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that on Twitter. I think I'm going to give a Twitter Irish goodbye. And it may be soon. Yeah, I'm not a big... Fan of 2020's coming, tweeter. and uh, I don't know that I want to have to deal with it. Any don't, of it. Don't you need it for your job? No. Okay. I mean, I could tweet my content. I could tweet. Oh, like to just my have stuff, a specific. But, yeah, but then get you know I don't need to. I don't need to be cracking wise on Twitter anymore. Just hand off your Twitter to a personal assistant. 
just to tweet out your content and yeah like Trump. I Man, I could sell it. How much would people pay for a, a Twitter account with 40,000 followers? A lot. How much would you pay, Bobby? More than that. A lot. I don't know what they go for, actually. They used to have a, there was a site where you could plug in your account and it would tell you how yeah, much it's worth. Twitter worth. Yeah, it'd be yeah. like $1.2 million. I'd be like, oh, really? Somebody needs to be willing to pay it. That's right. It's like Pawn Stars. Just because it's worth that much doesn't mean, or just because it's somebody has a price tag on it for that. Right. What do we want to talk about? What were we going to talk about? Oh, there were three. I said we we're going to hoops. I think we should do a little hoops. Game three is tonight, mm-hmm. Jonah. It's an even series so far, one game apiece. Toronto and Golden <clears throat> State. What's uh, tonight's matchup looking like? Kevin Durant is out. Zdeno Chara probably also is not going to play. Because of his broken jaw, I would say he's definitely how does, not. How does play. how does how does Chara not being in the lineup for the Bruins impact tonight's game? Well, Kevin Durant's out. Clay Thompson <laughs> is a game time decision. I don't know if you got him confused with Zdeno Chara. No, I was just being a wise guy. Oh, okay. If I can't do it on Twitter anymore, I'll do it here. Also, you're worth eleven thousand dollars on. Twitter. I'll sell it for eleven thousand dollars. Is there a button you can click and sell it? Uh, nope. You can share it. Hmm. You can put it on LinkedIn and see if somebody will. Buy it there. Craigslist. Oh, easy. So his cousin's going to be able to have a repeat of his game two performance because I think that's going to be the thing. And, you know, he hasn't played like that in a lot of the games and and a couple playoff games before he got hurt. They're going to need him to. They don't have Kevin Durant. I don't think Clay Thompson is going to play, although it appears like he's going to be a game-time decision. If he does play, probably not. 100% 100% effective. So they're going to need that scoring and that presence yeah. that Cousins provide, rebounding. And I don't know. I was, I'll was. i tell you what, I did not expect him to play like he did in Game 2. I thought they shouldn't play him. In Game 1, he looked slow and maybe not that healthy and not helping them. Then he comes out in Game 2 and was maybe their most impactful player for stretches mm-hmm. of that game, and they're going to need him to play like that again. They're not just down Duran or Clay Thompson if he doesn't play, but Kevon Looney's out for the series who's a – not a big scorer, but an important player for them at the same position that Cousins plays. Uh, Andre Iguodala has been playing hurt. Stephen Curry had some issues with dehydration the other day. Maybe that's taken care of, but it could come up again. I don't expect DeMarcus Cousins to play quite as well as he did the other day, but he is an all-star player. He's a good player, and they're probably going to put him in positions to try to get that type of game out of him. Yeah, I think it's really it's Iguodala being hurt too. I mean, I know his X-rays came back fine, but he's had what a calf, it's calf strain, I think it is with him. Well, Durant's a calf strain. I think Iguodala. I think it's the I same thing. I, th- I thought it was. I don't a think it's hamstring it or calf, but either way, I mean, maybe. But it's I a muscle the- strain. It's something he's been playing through since the series before, and he's been somewhat effective. He hit the game-winning shot the other day, so it, it, it's not. Mm-hmm. It hasn't really taken him out yet, but that's how these series play out. The more you play hurt, you don't get healthier. You really only get more banged up and more fatigued and worse off. So it is interesting. If, the, if Clay Thompson doesn't play tonight, this will be the 10th different starting lineup the Warriors have used in 19 playoff games. And I think where I read that in Mark Stein's newsletter, that would be the most since 1971 for any team in the NBA playoffs use that many different starting lineups, which is a real reflection on how good of a coach Steve Kerr is, that they've been able to have all these moving parts and different pieces in and out of the lineup and still 
win and be effective. At the same time, I think Toronto kind of gave that game away in game two. They they won three of the four quarters. It was really just that run coming out of halftime that Golden State took over the game. They really just missed getting a steal on that last possession to maybe steal that game back. So it's there's a lot of trends that look like Toronto's been the better team in, in control of this series, but going back to Oakland now, tied up, even with the injuries, it's hard to pick Toronto to, to take control there, keep control of this series. They got to pounce early tonight. Toronto does, I think. And Kawhi Leonard's you also know, not healthy. He's it's dealing even with without, yeah. it's even without Kawhi. I mean, it's Van Vliet, um, Lowry. Those guys have to just dictate the pace of the game. That's going to be the key for the. And chances today. are that those type of players don't play as well on the road as they did at home. That's usually how it works with right. secondary players and playoff series. Dan Feldman's reporting Clay wants to play, but official the Warriors are telling him not to. Yeah, officially. So that's Adrian that Wojnarowski had that. Oh, he did. And, but it, yeah, it's it's game time decision undetermined yet he wants to play they would rather he sit I don't see how you can pull your hamstring and two days later be an effective player out there Kevin Durant's been out a month with a calf strain two different muscles but similar mm-hmm. type of injury wimp <laughs> Zidane Charles was back on the bench with a broken jaw yeah but you could tell by looking at his face he was not coming over those boards no, he had that. <laughs> he put, they put the bubble on. He had the bubble, and, Sean and he, he, he wasn't even moving. He had the hundred yard Can you imagine stare. Imagine how going much on. that was hurting. Oh, jeez. Oh. He was probably doped up, right? Le- if he, if they the know, mouth, if know? they know he's not going to be back in the game, you might as well go ahead and give him a bunch of pills. You would think. You would hope. He's not going to come back. How at many all, pills right? does you he can't need come to back take? with? <laughs> Brad, yeah, what, Brad yeah. Marchand said he is, and I believe Brad Marchand. Yeah. Okay. Why would you do that? Come back or believe Brad, Brad Marchand? Believe Brad Marchand. <laughs> hey, here's something I wanted to bring up earlier in the show. I totally forgot. It's on my list of things to talk about. Uh, the Louisiana Senate unanimously passed a bill in the House, House Bill number 184, to pass a bill or pa- to make a law that would, uh, if violated, give you a maximum 90 days in jail for... The crime of harassment of a school or recreation athletic contest official. Meaning Hmm. a parent or a coach who gets obnoxious and wants to chew out the ump or the referee, you can, it can be considered harassment, punishable for up to 90 days in jail. Now, it's not a law yet because there has been an extra amendment attached to it that needs to now go back and be voted on again. And the amendment would be, uh, you could also, it would be also a crime to not leave a facility or the field or wherever you are, the court, uh, when ordered by uh, law enforcement. So meaning you get ejected from, you you could get thrown in jail for being a D-bag. Now Mm -hmm. let me ask you something. And I'm not against it. Would you be in jail if this rule were? I have never... Yelled at an ump. My dad might might be in jail. Well, actually, he'd be out of jail. It's only ninety days. I have never <laughs> no in and out, in and out, and in and out. I'm I'm with you, Tim. I think yeah, that I, think I, I like the fact that you know it's a thankless job being a youth umpire or you know any kind of recreational facilitator trying to organize that stuff. I mean, I I've seen so many jerk parents, especially with hockey. Youth hockey the parents worst. are the worst creatures on earth. They are. But even like, you know, the guys in the, in the Little League at yelling at umps, 
they're, they're embarrassing their kids or embarrassing themselves, they should pay some kind of penalty. Now, 90 days seems a little harsh, mm. but do something. Up to 90 days. Up you need a little bit of teeth. Would be you need a little bit of teeth, I think, to get this. Enough of a threat. If it were just you got booked and got let go. And up to 90 days. Guys. Maybe that's for a repeat or It'd make something you think like twice. That. It might it need be some refining, but I like the concept of punishing these idiots. Because it is really harassment. It is harassment. Yeah. Especially, like you said, usually these are... Occasionally they're adults, but a lot of times you've got teenagers umping baseball games or refing hockey games. And at my son's bucks. baseball games, it is kids his age, right? So, and wow. which is actually good because and the, you go into it knowing that they're going to blow calls and nobody's going to yell at a kid like another kid yeah. up. Now sometimes the parents what will do and we've done before the the coaches can't do it the coaches aren't allowed to even instruct the umps if they blow a call or they they misinterpret a rule oh. but the parents can so that's where the parents so the the parents start chirping of hey you know he's got to touch that bag if he wants to do this or he's got to tag him there but if let's say the kid it gets let's say the <clears throat> the kid ump calls out the runner at second because he thinks it's a force out and the second baseman really had to tag the runner. If that ump calls the kid out, he's out. Ooh. Even if he totally blew the rule. But it also just works in and it becomes like part of the game. So it's like, well, all right. So the kid can be upset and the coach can like, you know, you know, shake his head vigorously or throw his clipboard or whatever over the frustration, but nobody says anything to the ump. There's no argument. And it I think it's good that it's like part of the game that there are going to be missed calls. So that's kind of neat, but in general, but yeah, you get to a certain level, and it's yeah, some guy you know getting paid twenty bucks for three hours of work or whatever it mm-hmm. is, and whether oh, what about the the slow pitch softball guy and half the team's drunk, oh, you know, geez. or whatever, or you got your girlfriend in the stands and she's there with her. I've I've seen that before mm-hmm. when I've been in slow pitch softball leagues, and uh, yeah, I was like, come on, like it's just we're out here hitting the ball around. I, I was a scorekeeper uh, for ho- for youth hockey games, and there were a couple times when I was getting chewed out for missing an assist. Not even because I wouldn't even most of that stuff I wouldn't mark down, and they wouldn't know I missed it until I handed them the score sheet at the end of the game. But I remember getting chewed out if I didn't stop the clock quick enough, mm-hmm. at, or if there was one time where I was in the little box, right, and I had access to one penalty box, which is how I entered, but the other one I didn't have access to, and a kid left the box and left the door wide open. And the coach, like, leaned over, cursing me out. How can you do this? These kids are going to get killed. I was like, how do you want me to get Jeez. over this? You do it. <laughs> Like, tell yeah. your kid to do it. You should have like, waited. But, ah, my clapper's not working. But you're right. It's amazing how uh, empowered sometimes, you know, people feel. And, you know, I jokingly, you know, say my dad probably would have been in jail. He did get tossed from a few of my games. But it was usually when there was some sort of safety issue that the ref mm-hmm. was just neglecting. And my dad went a little <clears> over <throat> the top. But it's amazing how, you know, 18-year-old guys, you know, ref, refereeing games or, you know, umpire in baseball games can just get mm. chewed out by parents or anybody. And it's just like, how empowered do you feel? Well, not that f- I, I, the injustice <laughs> of this guy missing a call and, right. and blowing this You're game. You're going to cost my nothing. kid a scholarship. Well, that's right. really what it is. That's where I think it's gone to. It, it's always been too far, but it's really gotten bad. I, I see or hear this at just about every high school game I've ever covered. 
I think parents really feel like that's their role at the game to intimidate, influence the officiating, and that there's you know one side, and if we don't do this, the other side's going to do it, and they're going to win the game because we didn't yell hard enough to the refs. I've seen in one case a, a high school coach who wasn't coaching that game. It was his son was coaching the game, and he was yelling at the ref like I had never heard him do from his own bench, but it's because he can't get a technical foul back there in the stands. So he's like, I'm going to ride this ref so you don't have to. And I think that's why maybe we don't need to send people to jail for 90 days, but we need, I think, rules or laws to change the culture so that parents don't go into these games thinking this is what I'm supposed to do. And there could, I'm guessing that there are other, so you get 90 days in jail is the the maximum. So of course that's what gets reported as the, but there could be a bunch of different things in there. A $500 fine. Be like, all right, so there's a police officer. And there are a lot of police officers at youth events, especially high school events. Um, they're there for safety reasons or in case you know something happens. Uh, that if the official stops the game, could say, all right, this guy. And the police can go over there and write the guy a ticket right there, too. Which, like, write him and stop the game. And then the embarrassment of having to stand there while everybody, you know, the kids are standing there with their ha- hands on their hips, while type up while Joe while while Joey's dad is getting a ticket. You know, can you imagine it's embarrassing when you get a ticket on the side of the road. Yeah. People are driving by <laughs> looking at you. Can you imagine down? being a gym full of yeah. like rambunctious parents and oh, students? Well, and we've and all seen the stories of these things getting like <laughs> really out it. of control. Yep. And if really parents want to start fighting one another or whatever. What's a 16-year-old umpire to do to maintain control <laughs> if he doesn't have the backing of law enforcement? I just think it's a good societal control, right. and it's a good we should, concept. We shouldn't need it, but clearly we do. And you see it uh, every couple of weeks. You'll see something on Twitter or on Facebook of yeah. a coach confronting an ump and actually maybe even punching the guy or assaulting him and hurting him. It's, uh, you see it on occasion. So if you can't yell at him, if you stop it at the yelling part, you, you know maybe the guy's got a pretty good, you know, a pretty good filter where the and maybe he's like a great ref doesn't hear anything, or you you try to block it all out, and so if the guy's escalating ex- escalating verbally and the official is doing a really good job of blocking the guy out, then that's when you see the guy. Then well, I'm going to make sure this guy hears me, and he goes out onto the field, and then something happens. Well, if there's a, a, a something that you can implement in but just from the the verbal assault part of it then it doesn't get to the the physical assault any surprise that this is that louisiana is yes. setting the tone on this i'm quite surprised <laughs> I by know. That. it's like they they shoot alligators in the head <laughs> and arrest people for yelling at umps. it was unanimously approved the vote was 35 to nothing but it was introduced by a republican uh state senator i don't know if that matters to you at all but uh this is the you know, this might be the type of thing where people look at it and say, well, this is the wussification of America. If there's a ref can't handle people yelling at him, but. I am that guy that is all like, I hate the wussification of America. I am that guy, but I'm in favor of this because I've seen it so much firsthand. Well, because it's fake tough guy stuff. It is. Well, it is. But I think, though, too, it happens like when you see it happen, like a like a, a 16, a bunch of 16 year olds are playing. A lot of times that's like the confluence for the parents of all the years and the money that they've sunk into their kid playing and getting up at 6 a.m. and take them to the ring for practice. It's like they put so much into it that you can see maybe frustration boiling there. But like it happens when the kids are like 10 years old and like oh, yeah. 8 years old T-ball even and stuff like well maybe that's an extreme I've never seen that T-ball mm. but like it it does happen when it shouldn't Hockey. and that's like the stuff Absolutely. that I'm thinking of and yeah, it's, it's such a so. bad lesson so you got if you grow up playing sports and your father's been yelling at the refs all your life then you grow up to somebody mm-hmm. that thinks that's okay not just okay but 
encouraged and that's how you're supposed to react and it only snowballs from there i like it for a lot of reasons i do i really do Kudos i don't, and I don't have kids Louisiana. by the way like i just go and yell at umps randomly at the <laughs> playground like i don't have kids and as matt mentioned a lot of times i've seen this so many times somebody's being a little bit obnoxious towards the officials somebody else tells them to shut up oh. then it really mushroom clouds from there and then it's you know a fight in the stands or well, you know it might have been kids, a school official right? saying hey calm about, down if you're talking about 16 year olds and your dad is yelling at the ref, and then Johnny's dad tells him to shut up. It's like, hey, you know, then you guys are getting into it because your dads are getting into it. Like you said, it's not a really good precedent to set yeah. for impressionable kids when, like you said, none of these kids are getting scholarships, maybe one of them <laughs> out of the, the whole crew on there a was, given field. There was a time I, I really had, um, I regretted my actions at one of my son's basketball games, but it wasn't towards the official. It was towards the opposing coach. Oh. And it was... They're, they're not off limits. Well, everything should... I, I mean, I've always thought of myself as the coach who would stand there with his coffee mm. off to the side, or the parent who would stand there with his coffee in the corner of the gym or the rink or whatever and just not say or do anything and just watch. And then when it was over, it was time to go. Uh, but there was a game where it was clear that there was one kid on the other team that was going to touch the ball, and that was it. And that was their entire game plan. It, he brought it up the court, and he shot it. Brought it up the court, and he shot it. Brought it up the court. And there's all these other kids, and we're talking 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds. I, I can't remember how long ago this was. And I felt so awful for these other kids mm -hmm. that were out there and were never going to touch the ball. They're asking. They're cutting. They're running around. They're doing their picks. They're trying to cut to the hoop. And this kid, and he was clearly under orders. The coach had not, wasn't telling him to pass it, was telling him. And I don't know if it was a father-son thing, but I started kind of talking up my son's team, but in a way for the coach to hear me type thing. Make him and pass. I felt, yeah, like he's not, you know, he's not going to pass it, guys. And then like triple him, quadruple him. And so then my son's coach started saying what I was saying. And it turned and it was and one of the parents of the other team was like, and I kept, I all I wanted to say was, Don't you want your son to touch the ball at yeah. some point? Or don't you want a refund? Yeah, don't for your league fees. <laughs> <Right. laughs> She's like, yeah. This kid practices yeah. your kid, I'm sure, is practicing hard. I just felt bad for those. I love kids. the win at all costs at that age, you yeah, know? Right. Like winning above yeah. all else, whatever it takes to win. It's they like, all well, get a trophy nowadays anyway. The kid right. was clearly good, and he was better than, uh, <laughs> probably better than anybody. But I also wondered, you know, then you start thinking, do these kids even have a chance to get any better? They're not going to be any better at the end of the season than they were and when they showed up the for guy their first practice. carrying the ball yeah. like that. He's not going to fit in very well playing hero ball when he yeah. gets to any meaningful level. What's the youngest of LeVar, uh, LeVar Ball's kid? It reminded me of that when you were describing. It's like 15 yeah, or 16. It, LaMelo. Like, LaMelo. It just reminded me of watching him put up 100 in that game last year. <laughs> yeah. Like the guy did not pass. He didn't even oh, think about no. it. He was just like. He was shooting him from half court. Tunnel vision, the hoop, and he making everything. But hey, If you can put up 100, then I'm for it. That's pretty <laughs> did cool. Did they lose? Did he score 100 and they lost? No, he, no they won. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Suns. Yeah, I think they won by 100. All right, let's wrap this up. We've gone long, which uh, I like to do. Hey, I got to go feed Tito. Tito the doll. How is Tito? Tito's amazing, man. Tito's amazing. He's probably sleeping. He's fine. I don't create him anymore. He's 12 weeks old. He's done. He's grown up. He's going to be driving next week. <laughs> He's a good boy, though. 
the Grams might get a dog this weekend. Ooh, Love it. this weekend. You Love got it. one uh, scoped out, or are you just no? Go and it's look? time to start looking. It's always been something. I was up for jury duty last week. Oh, clear. I'm cleared with that. Oh, yeah. Because I'm the one that's going to have to train the dog, especially with the kids still in school. So I'm going to have to be with the guy during the day. I wanted to. We had a problem with our fence. Had to get the gate fixed. Can't have a dog with a broken gate. Can't let him out in the backyard to run around like oh, a wow. maniac. Don't like a dog somebody. should be allowed. Then I got through jury duty. Now here we are. So I think I've run out of excuses. Uh, that's that. Are you going to adopt? Yes. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start the start looking around this week, and I got to do it by myself because if I right. take the kids, they're gonna want five of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Or every dog that they look at is gonna be the one. Right, the, yeah. the last dog they look at is gonna be the dog they want. Yeah, they don't have a, a trained eye for this sort of. No. Thing. Yeah, you got to. No, out I can what's tell. Feasible. I can I can maybe scope out a troublemaker too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, Dad, Dad, what about that one? Oh, the one that keeps licking himself and yeah. won't stop. <laughs> no, we're not getting that one. The one that's chewing the wire on the <laughs> yeah. fence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna pass. Got a little poop on him. Yeah, yeah. The the dog with the with the crap matted into his fur. No, he doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> Maybe he needs you the most. Well, that'd be exciting, though. I think that I think that's a good move. I'm all for it. I hope it. I hope it. I hope it happens. I hope it comes to fruition for you. Not the poop matted dog thing. You just getting the one a grand family dog. The one that's dragging around his uh yeah. his back his back end in one of those the dirt uh, devil commercial hand hand uh yeah. one of those uh what was the name you had conco- out? concocted uh you know like wheelchair things that you see the dogs walking well, around I do in? I do like dogs that are in wheelchairs. I think that's, I think I, I saw think it in Denver at the Denver yeah, airport and it was actually the, the cutest thing in the world. Well, Cuz the kind of dog we have, a dachshund, a lot of them end up in wheelchairs because of their backs. Oh yeah. And I've accepted that that could one day happen and I think it's kind of a funny cute thing. Yeah. All right. What was the name you had picked out? Oh, I don't or know. that it's your daughter your daughter suggested Skywalker? something com- completely oh. outlandish. Was it a N- Napoleon Dynamite thing? Oh shoot! Kip. Oh, it's not coming. It's not. It was one of the most ridiculous <laughs> yes. things I've ever heard. Yes, it was. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying what's on my mind, man. I'm just gonna get us in trouble. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I'll I'll have my wife text it to me. I'm sure she remembers. I told we started off earlier today talking about how I can't remember names. Oh, geez. See? There we go. All right. My thanks to Jonah Bronstein for periscoping this mofo. You can see uh, this Tim Graham show and all previous Tim Graham shows on Periscope. We tweet it out, so check out the uh, our Twitter feeds for uh, the link to those Periscopes. My thanks to Chris Baker at Sabres Prospects for coming in studio. For Matthew Fairburn, easy enough. It's at Matthew Fairburn. He covers the Bills for the Athletic. He was in here today. In fact, he still is. Bobby Rosati, did on the knobs, working through all kinds of new music, working through the sounds, new Bills songs that I'm sure are going to be incorporated. Oh, yeah. Prickleberry. Prickleberry yeah. and watermelon. Ugh. Thanks for listening to the Tim Graham Show. We'll be on here again next week. Oh, my thanks to Mike Rodak for calling in. Oh, yeah. On his uh, farewell announcement day and his birthday. All right. Eight years young. We'll see you in seven days on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan.